To fuck around is human. To find out is divine. This is the I Refuse Podcast. The best part of waking up is focus all your nuts. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the I Refuse Podcast. This is Mr. Fox, Season 5. Episode 20, rounding out 2023, what a year for the books. I felt compelled, moved to course, so to speak, to bring you the last episode of 2023. A new episode mixed in with some reflection, mixed in with some unpopular opinions, Mixed in with some new stuff. So first things first, if you've never been to the Refuse podcast, welcome. It is I, Mr. Fox. If this is your first episode, it's going to be another entertaining doozy. If you are returning to the Refuse podcast, thank you for coming back. Hopefully I haven't traumatized you. <laughs> Uh, maybe I have a couple of screws loose. Maybe I am on the mend. Find myself constantly in the midst of Michelle Obama's saying, when they go low, we go high. And the midst of when they go low, I go lower. I go to the curb. I'm 50-50 at this point, you know, maybe that's influence from the pandemic, maybe that's influence of some of the riffraff I've experienced in the community, could be a combination of things, could be the fact that now that I'm in my 40s, I am 10 toes down with who I know myself to be, and it's time to start matching some energies, people. You, you just, you know, you've been nice for too long. You've done right by people for too long when nobody's looking and when they're in your face. You've been consistent. You've had integrity. You've been honest. You've been truthful. Yet and still, you find that people keep moving the goalposts. For all your good intentions, for all your pure intentions, you find yourself standing alone and being alone and it's like what the hell is going on so leaving 2023 going into 2024 i'm adjusting some things for myself you know i've been hitting the gym a lot lately i've been feeling pretty good feeling more confident although i did pull some i pulled a muscle yesterday in the gym Unfortunately, it was my own, trying to be big and bad. It was my own muscle, not somebody else's. <laughs> I was on one of those damn um, rowboat machines. I, I call it a rowboat or a flying deltoid or whatever you call it. I started out with a heavier weight, 
and didn't feel it at the time. I was like, okay, this is not my ministry. So I, I went down to a lower, um, a lesser weight, probably like a couple of bars up. I was like, okay, I can get with this. Probably did about two or three sets, and that was good. Didn't feel anything. So I woke up this morning. I was like, oh. Like, I really got to lay down. <laughs> this twinge wasn't there yesterday. But I also know that I use, at my gym, they have the ab, um, what is it, the ab coaster. Ab coaster. Probably the most effective way at doing abdominal crunches without straining your neck, your head, your back, your spine. Maybe your lower back is a little rough going into it if you're not doing it right. But you can do abs by having your kneeling on, you know, on the back of your legs on this um, sliding seat that, you know, you, you slide up and down um, at a the shape of a U almost towards the handlebars. And you can move it straight up and down. You can adjust the seat a little to the left, a little to the right to also do the sides of your abs or your abdominal area. And you really start to feel it the first couple of minutes going into it. And I'm like, I can get used to this. Because one thing I really want to lose going into 2024 and stick to is getting the stomach down a little bit. And I've been doing a lot of upper body, lower body, squats, shoulders, all that other stuff. But this belly is just like, look, I'm still here. Like Fantasia from the color purple, I'm still here. So definitely some body goals. I want to slim down a little bit, get this posture back to some kind of um, centeredness. And really, you know, turn it out for you hoes this upcoming summer. I definitely want to be right for Palm Springs next year. It's going to be a lot of hot daddies there. And they need to see this. So, moving on, you know, as I look back on 20, on 2023, I think of, of course, the podcast. We have given you guys the second half of the previous season and the first half of the current season. So, essentially, two overlapping seasons of content on the I Refuse podcast, I really feel like the turning season, the turning season for the I Refuse podcast was season four. You know, season one, season two, we were growing our wings and growing, you know, our feet and getting into some things as far as developing a format. By season three, had a kick-ass ear-grabbing opener each episode. I had segments. I really gave y'all. I really gave y'all some shit to be talking about. And not only that, 
kind of starting out with some quick bits, then going into some questionable shit that's happening in the world with a little bit of my own style and flair and doing it solo. Like I know a lot of podcasts out here has more than one host and then like three or four other people on the show. And that's cute, but that can be a a little jarring for, you know, us folks that like to hear the conversation and hear what other people have to say. So, you know, I got to give myself a pat on the back for being the sole captain for the most part on the I Refuse podcast, but also giving people, other people that guest star on the show, the floor to express themselves, to opine, to start and finish a thought, and then driving the conversation. That's something I've been doing since season one. Always made it a point to end or start or end and start each season with a strong episode. You know, season one, I kind of just started like, oh, you know, just turn the mic on and start talking. But by the end of season one, had a very powerful season finale with four other guests, very close friends of mine, a mixed crowd, essentially having a discussion on how to be an ally to black people during a time that is super racially charged, that is even more prominent, the idea that white comfort equals black eradication. And the conversation needs to be had. And then by the end of season two, I had on my podcast for the very first time a trans man. Shout out to Michael Phoenix, who's been on the podcast two times for the referral. Having... At that point, not many experiences with trans people, but still able to recognize the importance of protecting and valuing the life of trans people. I felt moved to chorus to have that episode be the season finale for season two to educate not only myself further and unpack any biases or prejudice that I have just growing up in a, an African-American family um, headed by a God-fearing grandmother from the old school. You know, they, even though I'm in my forties, just to give you a little context as to their range of, sexuality we don't even discuss my sexuality any person that i bring around introduces a friend there i don't get any pushback but i know it's not like crazy progressive so i can only imagine how they would feel about a trans man like in in black households we don't there's not a discussion about those kind of things so it's 
it's very possible, very much a reality that to assume that they're not a hundred percent with the times. Um, and they're probably not open to a discussion around that sort of, um, reality. But I can say that if you don't know, you don't know. And the season two finale definitely informed me a great deal. And I can say that I've never had a problem with a trans person. Um, But I'm also able to be in touch with the reality that there are those. There are people out here that provoke certain situations to get an outcome that's in their favor. And they stir the pot and spread lies and cause chaos. And they do it to provoke other people. So when they get the reaction that they want or they're not getting something that they need, that's a problem. That's that's a whole nother discussion. So there are people like that that are out there and I've come to find out that there is a trend of reality in that in that universe that makes you think, okay, this is not cool. Like this is very selfish, very narcissistic and toxic all around and goes against what community stands for. Two things can be true. So going into season three, you know, I made it a point to change the look, the feel, the theme, the mood of the podcast with each season. And I said, you know, season three is going to be the red episode, the red season. Now I changed the look. I changed the attitude where I was just like, you can't mute the truth. We're not going to change how we live to make other people comfortable. We're going to talk about some real black shit. Music, movies, pop culture, really get into the way society has turned on itself in the dawn of 45 being president. It's not going to be comfortable for you. But oh well. You know, at that point, we were very active in Clubhouse. You know, an app that came up in the infancy stages of the pandemic where we were all locked down in the house and government and the government was like, look, stay your ass in the house. Uh, The governor, Hogan at the time, was like, look, you motherfuckers ain't playing, are not taking me serious. This is what we're going to do. So we were on Clubhouse a lot, and there was a lot of discourse in some of the bigger forums about police brutality, um, you know, the George Floyd case, you know, a lot of white people came into the channels, um, just befuddled, um, not 
pretty much not looking for discussion, but more a forum to inflict their views on everybody else, wanting to be the only voice that's heard, not listening or receiving perspectives, experiences from people that did not look like them. So we were in that that whole thing. And, you know, from our experiences in Clubhouse, the attitudes carried that we carried from that went from through season three into season four. But season four was the season where I would say that was our unserious season. You know, we were, at this point, we realized, you know, the pandemic is really turning society into a circus. And we're going to match the energy by being unserious, side-eyeing the mess out of these stories that make no sense. And... Also, keeping, you know, balancing it out with the energy from previous seasons where we're still informative, we're still sharing with the rest of the world what we know and how we feel. And um, you started to hear from Abstract Sagittarius a little bit more. You started to get more of the female perspective, you know, by this point, you know, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Um, a lot of, a lot more disrespectful things were happening to women and we just were not here for it. So, you know, as you go through the seasons, you see the the growth happening, but you also see the versatility as you go from season one to season two, season two to season three, season three to season four, and season four to the current season. And season five, you know, well, as I look back on 2023, as I said earlier, you know, starting with January of 2023, you know, that was the pretty much the midway point for season four. And I was just thinking to myself today, I was just like, how, what, what a season, right? Like I, I had my segments, you know, the America has a problem segments that I was like, y'all really need to get this down, which is why you repeatedly hear it throughout the episode America America has a problem it's one of my favorite songs off of Beyonce's album which I still listen to to this day and then I get into, I say my piece I cover the story you know I cherry pick just to kind of summarize and I ask the audience I'm like why why is it that a, a a young adult who probably doesn't have to work the rest of their lives, 
and a young black female with that who even though she was not the product of a a hip-hop r&b marriage she was a child conceived pre-fame you know her father being was one of the best rappers of the early to mid 90s life career cut relatively short gunned down after leaving an award ceremony still you know had a trust or whatever set up for her um you know didn't parents were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time decides that when her baby's father at the time like it just it just befuddles my mind when he's pulled over in the SUV that she most likely bought from her trust money I think it was a it's a high-end SUV pulled over in New York City by the cops for I believe a broken taillight one of the most routine stops but somehow the one stop that just always escalates this one's no different when they come back and realize that he is driving with uh, without either a sus- without a license or a, on a suspended license he doesn't get out the car he doesn't put the car in park and turn it off and just you know accepts the misdemeanor or you know the ticket decides to pull off hits three people including a baby in a, in a stroller so now it went it has gone from a possible misdemeanor to reckless driving negligence multiple counts of attempted vehicular manslaughter she then decides to take more money out from this trust that was as probably most likely funded from royalties residuals from her father's music to post this man's bail not her husband but her baby's father her boyfriend now mind you you know you hear stories like this all the time when you post somebody's bail they still have to face the judge that doesn't mean they're absconded from charges absconded from jail time in perpetuity they just bail you out of jail which is temporary you still have to go to trial you still have to face a judge and you possibly still have to face some even heavier consequences longer jail sentence the stress of a full-fledged trial in new york city which is un which we know has historically been unfair or unjust towards black men 
But they got video evidence of you pulling off from the cops and hitting three people. So it, so, you know, over the course of the last year or so, we still talk about things specifically involving black people that just make, I have a scratch in our heads that make no sense, whether it's a, a crime mystery or, you know, just blatant stupidity, you know, from the young kids. Um, and, you know, how the value system in the world is just jacked up. Um, I will say that, you know, no dick is worth using most of your trust fund money to bail somebody out. Like, you got to just think about it. Don't have to work. Your dad has been dead for 26 years. Uh, damn, almost 20. It'll be 27 years in March. And this is what you do. It just it just boggles my mind. It just popped into my head. So as we go into go into twenty twenty four, and we go into the second and possibly third half of season five of the IRFUSE podcast, the the theme we added to right now is yes, we have grown, and we will continue to grow and continue to give you weekly shows along with the two spinoffs, The Usual Suspects and the I Refuse Podcast After Dark, which is returning January 1st with the second season. The second season of The Usual Suspects is already in progress. That show we do once-a-month episodes. And we, there may be a gap here and there, but just one episode a month. As you know, that involves the abstract Sagittarius, you know, and I refuse podcast alum, you know, one of our favorite guests over over here. As we go to to twenty twenty four, the rest of season five, we're still going to keep the thought going and keep the shenanigans, the shenanigans up. You just, you just never know how an episode's going to open up. Got to keep y'all on y'all toes. And um, reiterate how thankful and grateful we are for you, each and every one of you, for listening, for staying with us. And we hope the audience grows as this podcast keeps going. Hell or high water. A meteor could be entering the atmosphere right now, and I'm still going to record and be here. <laughs> so, now that we've reflected on the podcast, I'm going to reflect on 2023 personally. You know, I've had so many memories. Like, I'm over here minding my business, you know, working from home, 100%. You know, this podcasting gig is not my main gig, although you wouldn't know it. 
by the rate that I push out episodes. But I have nothing but time, really. Home all day, working from home. After I get off from work, I do episodes for you guys here. I do episodes for the YouTube channel. I tweet on Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. You know, the link is in the bio. Follow, subscribe there. I post from our Instagram at I Refuse Podcast underscore between the words. But I'm still living, right? You know, if you've been listening to this to the season so far, you know, I always open up with something just off the wall. I just like I just want to ask y'all questions because I'm just curious. Do y'all see the shit that I see? Are you seeing the mess outside your window that I'm seeing? Like, do you hear me? But also personal antidotes like you wouldn't believe the shit that just happened to me so in 2023 you know i was just about to twitch you know i do game i, I stream video gameplay on my twitch at babyface alpha 82 underscore between the words my cousin one of my cousins <laughs> hit me up she's five years younger than me and just to give you an idea that's not saying a whole lot as to which cousin because most of my cousins that are younger than me are exactly five years younger than me like there's a lot of overlap with cousins in my family so she hit me up one day and was like you know, can you, you know, I know that you're on LinkedIn. Can you run a search on LinkedIn for my ex-boyfriend and screenshot his work experience and send it to me? Girl, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm on it. So I go on LinkedIn and I started LinkedIn when I was in undergrad. It was part of my capstone project. And there was a time where I was using it to network, open for work, because I really wanted to break into IT in a major way. And I wasn't able to from my current position. You know, those kind of things don't happen overnight. But as time went on, I was like, I'm going to just have it, you know, the profile up, but I'm not really going to engage that much because it turned into once you add the open for work hashtag, your inbox gets inundated with a lot of bots and recruiters and shit like that. And I'm like, look, I'm not leaving my good, my good stable career job where I get paid every two weeks like clockwork to go into the private sector. But anyway, by this point, I wasn't using it a whole lot. So this was the only time in recent memory that I went in. Went in, I already had his name, first and last. And I was like, oh, that must be him. So I pulled it up, went on the profile for about 
not even a minute. Found his profile, scrolled down to the work experience, screenshotted it, sent sent it to her. And she had everything she needed. The idea was to get his work experience to support her case for an increase in child support. Listen, we here at the Arafuse Podcast are all about women getting their money. Like, get your coin, get your money. But y'all, not even two minutes later, why I get a banner notification on my iPhone from LinkedIn saying that this dude viewed my profile. I was like, ooh, let me close everything off. Close LinkedIn out. I was just swiping up on the phone, like close everything. LinkedIn, MySpace, I mean, Facebook, the Explorer, music, Snapchat. Matter of fact, let me just shut the phone off. (laughs) Thankfully, it didn't turn into a DM. And hopefully, you know, enough time has passed to where he probably wasn't able to make the connection. Because the last time I saw this boy was when my cousin was pregnant with her daughter, who is now, I think, 12. No. Wait a minute. Yeah, 12, 11, 12 years old. Probably about to be 13. I was like, I gotta go. Because it just feels like he's looking at me right now as I'm looking at this notification. So I had to go. I was like, (laughs) that wasn't me, brother. I can just play it off. But, you know, you do what you can for family. So, before I get up out of here, you know, I want to ask y'all those of you that are on the bird app what you ever log into the bird app and um you know your timeline just refreshes just out the blue and the first thing you see is something that just makes you question what have you done in the previous life is that caused or warranted what you're looking at right now I had such an incident happen to me recently I was on the bird app minding my beeswax you know I'm used to the timeline refreshing I'm used to Twitter just doing its own thing as I'm reading something and I can't find the shit anymore I'm used to the bird app just doing this thing but I was not prepared for what I saw. Somebody somewhere decided one day recently to retweet what looks to be the finished product of 
penis surgery. So, when I say, now, I, I, I don't think the caption gave me much, but it looks like this person had the doctor do, I want to say a skin graft from other parts of their body to create an appendage in an area where there wasn't the day before. And I was sitting there and you can you can look at you can see in the picture there, you know, the surgery markings, you know, the the scarring or the the incision lines where they essentially I don't know if they they did the the mold, they put the skin graft on a mold of an appendage on a separate table and then put it like pretty much just stitched it over whatever was there before. I looked and I was like, they really did like a scarecrow number on this person. And then I looked, cause I studied the picture. I really did. I was like, where, how 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 do you pee out of this? How how do you nut out of this? How where where is the head? Cause here's the thing. It it looked like and I'm not shitting you, it looked like you know how you go to the supermarket? <laughs> you know how you go to the supermarket the holiday season and you're like, you know, I am going to make fresh pie. And when I say fresh pie, I'm going to get the the produce myself versus the can of the filling. And I'm going to go to the frozen food section and get the rolled up pie crust that Pillsbury has in the box. It looked like this appendage looked like somebody took about three or four, maybe more, boxes of the Pillsbury pie crust, combined it all together, made it a, bl- a blob at first of dough, um, flattened it, rolled it out unraveled it or whatever with a rolling pin and made a mold. You know that movie Ghosts and the scene where Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze are getting a little freaky sneaky with the uh the spinning pottery thing and they're they're molding with their hands the um this clay into it it looked like that. And I was just before I'm like, is it supposed to be, is it cut? Is it, un- is it uncut? What's, what's going on here? I was just, so then I found myself putting the phone down on my desk 
and staring at my phone. Like, what? what's going on? Can Bill Nye explain this? And then, not too long after that, there was a clip circulating from the No Jumper podcast where Adam-22 is interviewing, I guess, the guy's a rapper who is currently in a relationship with a trans woman, still still considers himself straight. The trans woman that he is with has, I, th- I think, so the way the, all right, so the, <laughs> So the question that Adam-22 asked this guy as it pertains to the woman that he's with. Is, is the vagina man-made? And, you know, the, the guy that he's interviewing confirms, you know, it is and does it feel the same? And the guy's like, yeah, it feels the same. It's like, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And for those of us that have been outside for the past year or so, knows that in addition to No Jumper, Adam-22, who is a white guy, has... A an adult or adult oriented and centered podcast with his wife, Linda the Plug. I myself have been an on and off again subscriber of the OnlyFans for a little over a year now, because you know I think Adam Twenty Two is hot as fuck. Um, where they interview on their orange sofa in their day room somewhere, other female porn stars. Now, each episode is roughly like 45, 50 minutes. They spend all of about the last... You know, they, they spend the first half an hour 35 minutes interviewing the woman um and then the last 15 20 minutes adam fucks the other woman and then finishes with lena or you know is about to nut and lena does the withdrawal method and comes on both their faces um or they'll interview a couple who are both, you know, male, female, both performers. And they'll finish the episode with the male and the female performer having sex. Or sometimes they'll have two male performers doing the interviewing of a female performer. And the three of them have sex. Every once in a while they'll have... 
they'll they'll stream an orgy. Of course, there's like a a round table in the first half. Those run roughly two hours. I know this because I've paid for it. So, listening to this clip, watching this clip of Adam Twenty Two and his peaked interest leads me to believe that it's only a matter of time before Adam Twenty Two expands his repertoire over at this other podcast, The Plug Talk, where he is having sex with a trans woman. And I'm here for it. But you'd be a damn fool to believe that a man-made vagina, a vagina made by a doctor, or a penis made by a doctor, feels the same or is the same. A, there's no, the plumbing is not attached. I mean, granted, you know, it's, it's another muscle like an asshole. And I can't say one way or another if that's what he was actually, if that's what they were actually referring to. But he did say a man made vagina, so I'm thinking the doctor made it. Um, so I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. But as somebody that has had pussy before, clitoris, cervix, urethra. Making it rain. Making it rain over and over and over and over again. There's no feeling like, there's no other feeling like it. Um, it's, it's quite, it's truly something else. So I'm not all the way on the train about it. Now, I fully support you you believing that you're still a straight guy. Get, getting into it, cool. But brother, it's, it's not the same. I'm telling you, it's not the same. It is not the same. So... Before I get up out of here, like I said, probably said it like five or six different times, I did want to hit you guys with some fresh content. Um, one Russell Wilson, it's come out that Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Broncos, I believe, was approached back in October by the powers that be behind the Broncos to make an executive decision, an ultimatum, so to speak, pretty much. 
to either restructure his contract or face being benched the rest of the season. The restructuring being that he defer or delay the transformation of his injury guarantee to a full guarantee of $35 million in 2025. If he were to, which means if he were to suffer an injury that prevents him from passing a physical next March. So, you know, the timeline down at the Bird app was collectively raised an eyebrow at this. You know, the takeaway for most of us is, you know, once they see us with more than they feel that we deserve, they come to show their ass. Now, of course, now that the word's out, you know, they're trying to change the narrative that, oh, we didn't ask him to waive or in any way sacrifice his existing injury guarantees. They just simply wanted to delay the date. So... Wilson this past Friday gave an explanation that the team asked him to change his injury guarantee, which some people feel didn't guarantee a clear explanation or an answer. And now that that's out, you know, the Broncos are pussy-popping and moonwalking back off of what they were saying or trying to downplay it in some way. You know, currently the guarantee for his 2025 base salary is $37 million for injury. It, transfer, it transforms to a full guarantee on the fifth day of the 2024 league year in March. The Broncos wanted to delay the date on which the money will be fully guaranteed until 2025. Wilson, of course, declined that. They allowed Wilson to start several more games before benching him. The decision to bench him for the final two of this current season comes from a desire to ensure that he will be able to pass a physical before the $37 million and injury guarantees become full guarantees. If he's injured, they can't cut him before the money becomes fully guaranteed. Eventually, they say that they will cut him. As Coach Payton has said, Wilson is being benched because the offense needs a spark. The fact that Payton doesn't believe the spark will come from Wilson means that Payton doesn't believe the Broncos should continue to pay him like a franchise quarterback. And they will not after next weekend. Interesting. Because when I think of other quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm saying like during their tenure, I believe Big Ben is retired. But when I think of those guys or Brett Favre, who was a quarterback, or I think of the one that refuses to retire, uh, Tom Brady, I don't ever recall these quarterbacks in the same industry as Russell Wilson, where injuries are commonplace, are routine. You know, the the ratio, injury ratio is pretty high and has been high for so long 
that we're even having these long-standing discussions about CTE and the long-term damages from such a thing. Never have I ever heard those quarterbacks facing this kind of thing. And it's interesting to me that they're doing this with one of their long-standing quarterbacks. Like, Russell Wilson didn't just come up as a starter this current season or the previous season. And he's not a new quarterback. I believe Russell Wilson was a quarterback with... Sorry, I'm not a football girly, so I might get the teams wrong. He was a quarterback with the Seattle Seahawks, wasn't he? Wasn't he? See, uh, something isn't clean in the buttermilk. And what has inspired a collective eyebrow raise from the rest of us to this news is the fact that they essentially do not want to honor the contract that they agreed to. And they want you to, they want you, Russell Wilson, to pay, to take a pay cut. Now, there are a lot of other people who got the same news about this same news, this story, that are pulling up theories, you know, interpersonal theories or behind-the-scenes theories. Granted, none of us know what the fuck we're, we're, we're talking about or privy to behind the scenes. Saying, you know, oh, you know, Russell Wilson, this is the same guy that won his own office. How the fuck do you know? Were you in the locker room? Were you in the closed-door sessions where people were griping and complaining if they were... And none of that has anything to do with the price of tea in China. Because at the end of the day, what only matters to these people are stats. You know, how many passes, how many successful passes, you know, what's your average in that? What's your average in the yards that have been collected? What's your, what are your stats and touchdown passes? Sacks, fumbles, all that other stuff. They don't give a fuck that you ask for your own office. They don't give a f- Like, none of that matters. Now, that may rub people the wrong way if that is indeed true. But at the end of the day, you have a contract that guarantees this man X amount of dollars. Halfway through the season... And literally, what, weeks? Probably a month and some change from the Super Bowl. Or, you know, whatever. You want this man to restructure his contract? Or face being benched? To get out of paying him the money he's he's owed. Meanwhile, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, he's getting more shine due to who he's dating 
And, you know, again, it's about stats, but it's also about, you know, the image, you know, your the stock is, you know, you, the stock is in the name. And unfortunately, in Travis Kelsey's case, you know, by you being with one of the biggest pop stars, you know, her audience is going to start coming to your games more. And, you know, because you're dating her, people are going to be buying your jerseys more, more and more of your jerseys and, you know, buying more, you know, tickets and all that other stuff. People don't even know, probably don't even know, the Swifties probably don't even know what position you play. But, you know, it's a numbers game. You're bringing more people into the seats. You know, viewership is going up. Because, you know, where's Taylor at these days? Oh, she's at this game. Let me watch this game. Oh, she's actually there in the skybox with the family. And Travis Kelsey benefits from that. And I'm sure when time comes to renegotiate his contract, oh, they're going to factor in all the privileges that come from his association with Taylor Swift the past season. Thus, the attendance, you know, whether the attendance, um, what's the average attendance that's been surmised or, you know, collected over the season that you've been dating Taylor Swift. Oh, it's gone up 50, 75% since you started dating this girl. It doesn't take a business or a marketing genius to know that he's going to use that to leverage a bigger payout in his contract, renegotiating for the new season. Hell, he's probably doing it right now. But... I bet you they're not asking to bench him or for him to defer the $25, $30 million prior to going to the physical. But if I know, if I know Russell Wilson, like I know Russell Wilson, I don't really know the man. He is going to work this in his favor as he should because from the outside looking in it's very much giving you know the NFL is trying to shortchange this man and as I as I've often said on the IFU's podcast when it comes to black people and people of color the goalpost is always moving for us if it's not something today it'll be something next week and that's exactly what they're pulling with Russell Wilson. Obviously, I love being out there. I love playing with, my, with our guys and doing whatever it takes. What did Sean say to you about why you moved to the neighborhood? Um, you know, it's been a process. You know, just uh, that he was going to go with number two. Uh, I was going to become number two. There's been a lot of attention about the contract situation. Did they approach you? Or your agent in October regarding adjusting the contract, Russell? Yeah. yeah. What can they, you say about that? Yeah, they, they just, they, uh, during the, maybe the Chiefs, they, they came up to me during the, um, they came up to me during the uh, bye week and began the bye week on Monday or Tuesday. And they told me that uh, if I didn't change my contract, 
my injury guarantee that I'd be, uh, you know, that I'd, I'd be benched for the rest of the year. And uh, for the, I don't know, I think we had nine games left or so. Uh, I was definitely disappointed about it. And uh, it was a process throughout the whole week, um, the whole bye week. And, um, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, we, we just came off beating the Chiefs, played a pretty good game against the Chiefs. We just came off of that. So I was excited, obviously, for us to fight for the playoffs and get on a hot streak. And, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, NFLPA and NFL got involved or whatever, I think, but at some point. But I, I think, you know, for me, you know, I just, you know, I, I came here to, to – um, to play here, um, to, to, to win. I knew it was going to be a process to, to uh, you know, you know, I signed a seven-year deal to, you know, for us to go and play hard. And that's my goal every every time I step into the white lines is give everything I have. You know, I want to be here. I want to play here. I want to be able to win here. I want to win championships here. I want to give my all every week, you know, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the score is. And, um, you know, and uh, I, I want to be the best teammate and leader that I can be in the midst of it all, um, you know, and so... You know, that's why I was out here at practice every day, and you know, I told I told Jared I'd, I'll help him and lead him and do whatever it takes and keep the guys going and try to lead the right way. You know, that's all I know. Now, if you actually sit back and think a, a bit about this, their decision to approach him with essentially an ultimatum makes. No logical sense. I mean, it's clear that the organization showed no loyalty to him and felt no need to honor the contract. But after winning six of the nine and throwing 26 touchdowns to eight picks, that would make the Broncos look like a franchise that cares little for winning. Players won't be lining up to play for Sean Payton after this. How do you think the other players putting their bodies on the line feel, knowing the playoffs were still a possibility, and now Jared Steindom is playing over a future Hall of Famer? I bet they probably still believe in the staff and organization. It's comedy at this point. The fence that got 70 hung on them and wouldn't would have been more if missing in coach missing an action coach didn't show mercy. Russell has thrown 26 touchdowns, the same as Pat and Tua, more than MVP candidate Lamar. I mean, the Broncos' defense is sorry. I mean, while they're okay at creating turnovers, the secondary is cooked, the bottom seven in multiple defensive categories. Russell has had two really bad games and a few lackluster ones, but not bad enough to be the problem. Of course, you know, opinion, that's up for opinion. You know, other people will go by the metrics. And, you know, overall, a lot of guys will speak like they know what the hell they're talking about. But I just could not, it couldn't be due to the stats. Because he's clocking, he's making some really good stats for the Broncos. And... I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a similar situation with a coach of a, of a, a former coach of a football team where they, after having like a really winning season, they ended up firing him. Hopefully somebody out there can tell me 
the name of the coach, but I believe it was a black coach, and I believe it was of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But here's the thing. You know, for those of you that want to try to convince the rest of us, when it comes to situations like this, that it's not about color and that people don't see color and, you know, it's not, you know, still trying to sneak in some positive reinforcements. Oh, it's, you know, your game is pretty good, but it's, but it's always that, but there's always an exception. There's always something else after that, that undermines the original point. And it's just so unwise to come to a future Hall of Famer with an ultimatum to restructure their their contract that you presented to them and both parties signed or face being benched. I would leave too. I would leave too, especially after the season that we had. And you make, and this comes out on the way to the playoffs. And people are like, well, he's still getting, you know, his guaranteed money and they're parting ways and there's no guarantee in this contract that says he has to play and can't be benched or cut. But there's something to be said when it is only presented to certain people. And then people want to get into this whole conversation about, you know, how, why why would the league or the team honor 30-some-odd million for a player that hasn't achieved or, you know, produced results reflected of that amount. As if you can really quantify a person's achievements, especially in sports when there are other factors involved, like a lot of wear and tear, and there's a lot of downtime that happens when a person's injured. But you have this situation where you want him to restructure his contract to just amend that part. Can anybody answer that? So before I get up out of here, I'd like to do a brief recap of some of our favorite moments from the I Refuse podcast in 2023. Starting with the first episode of 2023, season four, January 4th episode, Street Songs where we talk about the second appearance 
of Dr. Malachi, the fake doctor, and who he reminded us of. Remember the fake Florida team doctor, Dr. Malachi Love? So he, he is going back to jail. So remember he was dubbed Dr. Love for practicing medicine without a license. Dr. Malachi, well, ooh, not a doctor. Malachi Love Robinson, now 25, has pled guilty to fraud charges in a separate case. Faces charges of grand theft, organized scheme to defraud, sentenced to 28 months in prison for the crimes. An initial investigation this time was launched in March 2020 when the owner of a United States of Freight, a shipping broker in Delray Beach, claimed Love Robinson had rerouted business payments to go to his personal accounts. He was well known years before in 2016 when he was just 18 of operating a medical office at 4700 North Congress Avenue in West Palm Beach and presenting himself as a certified medical doctor, which he was not. He pled guilty to the six charges that stemmed from that investigation and was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. When I, when this popped back up on my timeline, right, I was right in the comments. Shout out to Baller Alert for the story, by the way. I was in the comments section, and the first name that popped in my head when I saw this story was, whatever happened to Tyrone Hankerson? Hankerson. Who, child, y'all went outside? when Twitter was combusting at the seams over some Tyrone Hankerson. So, allegedly, this Tyrone Hankerson guy worked in the federal aid office at Howard University. And it was a bigger conversation at my job at the time because one of the guys I worked with is a Howard University alum by way of North Carolina, right? I think Duke University or Winston-Salem. Anyway, it was alleged, theorized, um, I don't think there was an official story that came out, that Tyro Hankerson was allegedly funneling his social media escapades, wearing nice clothes, wearing these fur coats, going on these trips, because he had a whole Instagram page, whole social media presence of him traveling abroad that was allegedly funded by federal aid money that was supposed to go to the students that were either trying to attend Howard University, enrolled, were between semesters, were allegedly somehow going to this guy. Baby, the memes that came out of that era, hilarious. I remember there was one where it was like, it was a black and white photo of Marvin Gaye, what looks to be in his Midnight Love era. He's in the back seat of a vehicle in in a coat, a very nice coat with a fur collar. And the caption read, Tyrone Hankinson on his way to deny your federal aid student application. 
baby, when I holler, I'm still hollering, and it's been at least five years. <gasps> five, four years. This is pre-pandemic. And I was like, I wonder what he's up to these days. I'm so nervous. You know, since we're talking about fraud, and it was just like, wow. You know, I forgot about this Malachi guy for a minute, but the moment I saw his foot, I was like, oh, that guy again. The next episode in 2023 of the I Refuse podcast, January 10th episode, 2023, Heartless. <laughs> we revisit Jessica Simpson. And let me tell you, it has been a mess. Y'all have been giving that girl hell for her earlier live performances in her career. And all this stuff. So, for y'all, the next time that Jessica Simpson is a topic, to do this... <laughs> like, it's that performance, and then, you know, she had a duet with Nick from her first album. You know, she... There was an upload from one of their live performances of that duet where she, in comparison to his smooth and subdued and strong vocals, she takes it to a thousand from the gate. And I'm like, y'all ain't shit. And, like, the whole scene plays out to where he does her part and then she does her part in the song and the cameras panned out and you see the look on his face as she is over there literally sounding like... She's about to give birth to a velociraptor. And I'm like, oh my God, y'all ain't shit for this. Like, it's comedy looking at it because it's like y'all are intentionally doing this to set this girl up. And it is comedy because the punchline is, girl, you over here sounding like a washing machine that needs to be repaired. And the song is beautiful on the album. And at no point listening to the song in my recollection where I can recall it requiring that much on stage. And that's Jessica Simpson's thing. Like, I think in her mind she was like, I need to do something. I need to come up with a style. Although it may not make a lot of sense to a lot of people, I need to come up with a stage presence although it may not be aligned with Britney or Christina or everybody else's expectations reflective of those two ladies, to do something to perform in a way that is memorable. And, you know, the thing about it is, like, good or bad, people are talking about me. And that's good. But, girl, I, I had no idea it was like that. I mean... I, I, back in the day, by this point, it was like the early 2000s, people, I think a lot more people were playing her second album a lot more. But people weren't, you didn't see it a whole lot. Like, I remember dating this guy, and all he would play is that one song from her second album, the Irresistible album, which... Looking back, it definitely was a slump or a sophomore slump, but the song was cute. 
like, they were definitely trying to get her to be more aligned with Aguilera and Britney Spears, but it was like, too many, too many copies, too many copies. As you can clearly tell by now that over at the Airfuse podcast, while we're also serious sometimes, we also cut up really bad when we revisit stuff, when we, when we recall some things, and we spare no expense in that department. So moving right along, we get into the next episode in 2023 of the Fuse podcast, January 17th, 2023, Ray L. Charles. Oh, this is one of my favorites. We're going to play a clip from that episode and then we'll be right back. I really want the scope to just come outside. Like, really, who, whoever, whatever uh, organization, nonprofit, whoever in the state, the city government, whoever was in charge of commissioning this sculpture, you got got. We want you to come outside too, because. We, we want you to have as much clarity as we do over here at the Overviews Podcast. You got, got, like, you more than likely saw the black and white photo, the full body, from 1964 of Martin Luther King embracing Coretta Scott King and said, you know, we really want this in the park. And I would say that the sculptor was like, hold my beer. I'm going to do you one better. I am not going to include any other part. It could have just been the head and shoulders, right? Not going to include the head or the shoulders or even a partial face to attach to the arms and the hands, right? Because it's possible. So in the embrace photo... You know, Coretta Scott King is, it catches her profile, and then Martin Luther King is shoulder to shoulder with Coretta Scott King facing the camera. It's not like an embrace, a gospel hug, like they call her a church hug, where it's like one hand around the the back of another person while the, uh, the rest of the body is open. Uh, you know, patting somebody on the back. Like, there's enough distance or presence between the, of the two of them in the photo that you could have worked their face, maybe not the whole thing, maybe part of it, into the sculpture. Uh, into the sculpture. But no. What we have in Boston at this moment as you are listening to the Average Podcast, is a hot-ass mess. And Twitter, social media moves fast. Y'all took the two hottest mess of of a story and combine them. So what y'all did over on Twitter is y'all took the, I guess, 
the photo of Officer Hall from the one story where they were running high, you know, running high-speed trains on this woman, married woman in Tennessee, and superimpose the part of the, the image of the sculpture from the head-on angle and made it look like she was embracing what looked to be a penis. And I said, if there's one thing y'all are going to have out here is the fucking audacity. And I love y'all for it. <laughs> it was high comedy for me this weekend to see that y'all put in your own special way together two separate stories. Because trust and believe, like, Officer Hall, well, ex-Officer Hall, because she was one of the five or so fired while, like, two or three of the remaining were suspended. That's what she was definitely doing. And it's like, You can't really feel sorry for her. Like, me, personally, get your life. But, girl, you got a whole husband and probably some kids at home. And y'all assholes out here basing the believability of something, you know, a woman having sex or getting a lot of guys based on her looks. Y'all got to reevaluate the game at this point. Sometimes we open an episode with a very poignant question that we need to ask the rest of you before we get into the nonsense. One such question comes to mind in the next episode, My Money, My Problems. For the life of me, can somebody please explain this current phenomenon where a guy, maybe the ladies can help me out, where a guy disappears towards the end of last year And the first message of 2023 is, you stop chatting. Bitch, it's a new year. We here at the I Refuse podcast sometimes like to take the next episode, take time in the next episode to follow up from a previous topic we had talked about. Such is the case with the former Tennessee female police officer that was busted taking cock on the clock. Talked about, we covered the story of former officer, Tennessee officer Megan Hall, who was busted along with, you know, the guy she was turning out other officers while on the clock. Since that time, over the weekend, we found the Megan Hall memes. And one of the ones that has laid me flat for almost two weeks now is y'all have superimposed this woman's face on the Quaker Oats man head and hair and the labeling, and have been calling her Quaker Throats. Oh, my God. 
out here calling this lady Quaker throats. But here's here's where we are in society, right? This only in America, only in America, like I, like Don King says, do we turn controversy into more opportunities, right? Now, we could all be of the moral high ground, even though a lot of us in our history, in our younger days, have bruised many a knees on the floor at the job, where she has gone from infamy to opportunities there is a club in the Midwest, a strip club, that is willing to pay her $10,000 for two nights at the strip club to do two shows. And I'm like, she's going to suck at her job. See what I did there? You know, look, I'm all for getting the coin. You know, there's no pain and no... No crime was committed, really. Like, you saw a thing on the job. Consensual. Everybody's an adult. You just happen to be doing it on the job. Like I said in the last episode, police officers, correctional facility officers, probation officers, these type of things are not new. Like, at all. Women officers have been bust down by convicts at down at the little correctional facility. For many, many uh, years. Officers, male officers, female inmates. It's nothing new. And I'm like, get as much coin as possible. Sure, her marriage is probably in in the toilet. No, she's she's married to another white guy. Don't really know the particulars as to what the fallout was in that arena. But I'm all for it. So I thought I'd take the time out to show you the glimpses of how the I Refuse podcast gets down over the course of a particular season. You just never know what may come to your ears when you first listen to our episodes what direction it might go. But best believe, it's some very important stuff and some very important discussions that need to be had. Sometimes I'm funny. Sometimes I'm serious. But I'm always going to refuse. At the I Refuse Podcast. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the last episode of the I Refuse Podcast in 2023. We will catch up with you guys in 2024. In the meantime, catch the rest of our content wherever you get your podcast, wherever you get your YouTube videos. Be sure to follow and subscribe the I Refuse Podcast YouTube channel, the I Refuse Podcast Twitter at I Refuse Podcast, and the I Refuse Podcast Instagram at I Refuse Podcast underscore between the words. Also get into the usual suspects and the I Refuse podcast after dark, which season two is dropping on January 1, 2024. And we will catch you guys later.